Welcome among the released Deja Vu for me because it's is a re-recording, not specifically of this guest here. Could you introduce yourself? I'm Nali. I'm the game master for the Oniric podcast, a game I play with my friends every Sunday afternoon. It's been like maybe three years now since we started. So we are at CyberConv. And it's wild, and it's so wild, I'm going to use that as an excuse. Yesterday, I recorded eight interviews, and none of these interviews were recorded properly. So I'm redoing them all, and doing a couple of new ones, including this one. Nani, have you been enjoying Cybercom so far? What have you been up to? Mostly lurking, to be honest, and we play last night, of course. For me, the big day is today. I'm going to play with my friends again, but to play a one-shot called The Valley of the Gods. It's a special thing I tried to do for Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, to play gods, essentially. I'm going to alpha test that in, like, two hours. <laughs> so a little bit stressed. <laughs> Is it going to be on the Discord, on the Twitch feed? Twitch feed, I don't know. On Discord, sure. And I will stream it on my end. So anybody will be able to see what we experience. So your plan is to make a full game, a supplement for 5th edition that you put on DM's Guild? What's the ambition here at this point? I'd say both. First, a supplement, but the supplement will not be tied to a specific system, I would say. I've started to publish some of my work on the DM's Guild a few weeks ago now. Oh, cool. I have published like an adventure, guides, to create a campaign, to use different things. So I, I'm used to it now. And publishing something I like, it's a patient to me. The main goal actually is to make other people discover my passion, so role-playing games. And I try to do that by publishing what I do, by sharing the games I play with my friends. That's the main goal, actually. <laughs> What's the title of the of a couple of things you put on the DMs Guild? So I have how to create an adventure in 15 minutes, if okay. I remember correctly. Is that in uh, English? I yes, I have translated in English. My work is mostly in English and in French. So I'm browsing my computer right now. Oh, you uh, need to send me links afterwards, and I'll put them in the description of the episode. People can click it, purchase it, and I will add my affiliate tag, so... To even support your list for your purchases. Thank you very much. Yes. So yeah, I have how to create an adventure in 15 minutes and how to use skill challenges. That's the two big things I have done. Then I have an adventure I have published on my own. I will give you all the links I have. You said you like to share your passion. One of the traditional opening questions of the role list is to ask, How would you describe what is a tabletop role-playing game to someone with absolutely no clue? They haven't seen any actual play, any video. They didn't even see Game of Thrones, uh, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, or Community. How would you describe it? I like math, so I would say it's a non-zero-sum game. It's a game where you don't lose and you only win because you play with your friends. There is no clear winner or clear loser like we have in sports or any other game, I would say. Imagine if you 
the last movie you have seen or the last TV show where there are uh, heroes or main characters, well, you play those. But instead of going into the closet where the monster will uh, obviously see the character and kill him or kill her or kill it, you can just do whatever you want. Nice. How and when did you start it recording your own actual play? Did other shows inspired you to? That's a good question. I actually started in September the 3rd of this year. Okay. Uh, the the games, I, so I have around 10 episodes, I'd say, 11. Still fresh then. So is that a weekly release then or monthly? Yes. Yes, yes. It's a weekly release. I play with a system called Stars Without Number, um, oh, created nice. by Kevin Crawford, which is a science fiction game, mostly uh, based around exploration and finding interesting stuff. Before, I have done a lot of uh, Dungeons & Dragons. I have started by that. I don't know how the podcast started. Just I had an idea one day. Oh, yeah, I remember, actually. One of my players couldn't make it to the sessions anymore because um, he moved away and had a lot more time to uh, learn new things because he changed school. And so I wanted to create something where players that wanted to follow the games could follow it just by listening to something or having some medium. Before I wrote a lot of what happened to the previous sessions, but it started to become a little bit tedious. So yes, it started like this. So you might as well record it. If you record it, you might as well share it yeah, and so on. Exactly. You know, <laughs> Stars Without Numbers, I always assumed when I saw the title that it was a spin-off of Swords Without Masters. And actually, the two games are absolutely not related. So I absolutely... Do not know what it is, <laughs> what it is. <laughs> Most of the person I talk to think it's similar to like Star Wars or Star Trek or Stargate or something with Star. <laughs> Sounded like that, like space opera, very, uh, yeah. very grand. But like any role playing game, there is no predefined rule. So you can do anything you like. It can be a game about a group of dancers who go in space to promote their show. I know. Or it can be like a group of mercenary with black armor, like Space Marine, maybe, who go in space and try to destroy evil or something. You have 10 episodes out. Do you already have one which is your favorite that you would recommend people to start with it? Or should people just start with number one? Personally, with my own experience with podcasts, I rarely recommend number one of my own show because I was not up to speed yet with the technical side and the production. Same. <laughs> I would say uh, start with the episode that will be maybe online when this show is... Uh, I have started the season two of the show, like last week. So maybe start with this one. You will have an episode zero explaining what has happened in the world and where the main characters are doing. So start with this one and maybe go back and check a few things. There are very interesting ones where it's just laughter from beginning to the end. Um, but yeah, start with season two. A great way to practice your French if you're learning. Is there anything left you'd like to talk about before we part? Thank you for the game last night. It was really fun. I've not been a player for a long time, so it was really enjoyable. And thanks for having me on your show.
Yeah, it's true. You played Paris Gondo, the life-saving magic of inventoring yesterday. Mr. Nap, yeah. The Bard. I'm from France. I play Napoleon. <laughs> of course. <laughs> there was a takeover of power towards the end, but uh, it was the doom of my own uh, character. The whole adventure was uh, really complicated. <laughs> Let's say uh, we all uh, sunk. No, you didn't. You got killed by the ghost of our rogue uh, in the end. Did you have uh, any favorite looted items that you remember from yesterday? Not looted items, maybe just items in general. I had a monkey, a uh, monkey, uh, donkey, uh, Marguerite, my donkey. A melomaniac really donkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe this one, the Necronomicon was really fun. Just kept shouting at you all day. <laughs> kept kept cursing at people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sparked joy uh, to play with you and Alasif. Thanks to the both of you for joining us again. Thank you very much and enjoy the rest of CyberConf. Where can people find you online if you wish to be found? I have onirikpodcast.fr, which is our main website. Onirikpodcast on Twitter. On Twitter, I have the handle GM Nally. Check out Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or maybe Stitcher. You will find the podcast there. Thank you very much. See you around. Thank you. Bye. joined again on the virtual floor of the Rollis Podcast stand at CyberConf by Mikael Gelfi. Welcome. Hello, back, everyone. Mikael. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Deja Vu is going to be the title of this episode, I think. Mikael, could you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? I'm Michael Gelfi. I'm a music composer from Switzerland. I mean, I'm more known for my ambiences composition because I'm, um, I have the biggest library of ambiences on YouTube for role-playing games. Ambiences that are mostly medieval fantasy ambiences, but also Cthulhu, modern sci-fi, and so on. And I'm also a music composer with a few hundred sounds available on YouTube for free. What else could I say? I'm also a, a writer, but not anything interesting for uh, English speakers because it's all in French. So well, maybe you want about it. Maybe someone is interested in, in translating your works. And good luck. Nine hundred pages. <laughs> so for the people listening to this for the very first time, I will also record an episode in French. So mm -hmm. if you happen to be bilingual or if you want to uh, practice your French, 
you can head to other interviews in French, and that include one of your fans, Raven Ochterner, who praised you and recommended that I get in touch for this recording. Yeah, that's very kind of him <laughs> to recommend my work. I'm glad I've been able to meet him in this cybercomp. At least your first interview was lost to time, but at least he was there to listen to it live. So I think the first question I asked you before was, did you get into composing music before or after tabletop role-playing games? And how did you get introduced to the both of them? That was a great question, and I will try to answer it. And you had a uh, great answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I can't remember it, so... <laughs> okay, so for, for music, because music happened before um, RPGs. I started making music when I was um, about 20 years old. Before that, I had a, a guitar, like everyone, you know, just to look cool, but I didn't know how to play it. <laughs> but I started playing it for real when I kind of broke up with a girl and I was sad. So I, I tried to make some music with my guitar and I recorded it and put it on YouTube, which was a terrible song. It's still there, by the way. It's still the first song released on my channel. It's, it's very bad, but I keep it just to keep track of what I was doing and to tell everyone, hey, you can make music as well. Look how bad it was at first. <laughs> That's nice that but you're owning it and left it there. You have to be authentic and real. You just... I mean, I get the point to, to delete it and just keep the best tracks. Some people told me that in terms of marketing, it would be better, but I just don't care about that. I want to be real. I want to, I mean, people will go on my channel. I want these people to see the real Michael, not some improved version or fantasized version. I don't know what to say that in English, but uh, yeah, the Michael you see on the channel, it's the real me. So I want to show the whole way I walked on. The whole experience I had to go through to reach the point where I have now 60,000 subscribers. From one subscriber to 60,000 and in a few months, 100,000 subscribers because it's growing very fast now. Wow, amazing. But, when you said sad uh, song, the picture which popped into my head was Spinal Tap with the Mac piece in D minor. Was your song in D minor? <laughs> I don't remember actually because I never... At that time, I, I didn't uh, study music at all, music theory. I was just, you know, playing it, uh, how it came out. I don't remember, actually. I was just re recording what I was feeling. That was pretty sad. Maybe, maybe it's in D minor. <laughs> <laughs> so you are self-trained, or did you achieve that? I'm a terrible, I would say, student in general. I just, I highly dislike sit down and listen to some people explain me stuff. I want to do everything by myself. It's just the way I, I, I like to learn. University was a terrible moment for me because I had to learn to some people. I, I just listen to some people and I, I don't like it, you know, to conform myself to some way of thinking. <laughs> but and for music, it's the same. I just bought some books and I read them and I try to learn music theory by myself. And I ended up composing orchestral music for 80 people. So, you know, it, it just works. You can learn by yourself if you are the kind of person that is fine with that way of working. Some people are not conscientious enough to say, okay, two hours today, I'm working two hours my music theory beside my other activities. And every day I do that until I, I'm trained. But I can do that. So that's how I train myself by myself, reading books and so on. I'm even too lazy to read a game book for a tabletop roping game. I need to play it first with somebody else game mastering it, and then I will run it. Usually, I don't even go so much to reread the rules. I just apply yeah. what I remember from the session. 
I'm trying to learn the ukulele with an app, but uh, I'm not sure if I could be dedicated enough to become a composer on my own. I totally understand what you say, because it's the same for me for several other activities. But what matters is, what goal do you have? What's your final objective? If I had to learn music theory just for music theory, I wouldn't do it, you know. But I have a a goal that was to compose music for other people and, and share my passion and try to find a way to express my, I would say, inner vision of fantasy words in sounds. And so music was for me a, a easy and kind of easy way to do, but to do it properly, you have to know what you're doing. So you have to train a lot. You know, when I learn something or I train myself in something, I need to have a goal. If I don't have a goal, then I don't work. That's how you find uh, motivation. That's, and that's how I found motivation. Inspiration does the rest. <laughs> What's an achievement from starting with a, a sad song for a breakup? And now you were telling me that you're about to become a full-time composer. Yeah, exactly. Currently, I'm a cybersecurity consultant, so that's very different. <laughs> nothing, absolutely nothing in relation to creativity in any way. But I do that because it's interesting. But now I have the possibility to switch to music full-time, to ambiences more specifically for role-playing games, and I have several projects beside that. And also a few books that are uh, that I signed with a French editor for role-playing games for Dungeons & Dragons. So yeah, I will do that full-time, and it kind of works. In the short term, it will be a bit difficult, but everything is planned. And I consider the different risk to do that, because, you know, being an entrepreneur and being self-employed is always risky. But I think it's the right moment with how the current RPG scene is growing. I think that's the right moment, yeah. The tabletop RPG scene, how did you enter tabletop role-playing games? Actually, uh, I always loved working, and I mean, playing on video games, fantasy video games, especially Diablo, World of Warcraft, The Elder Scrolls. And someday, one of my friends bought the D&D book, the Dungeon Master Guide, Player's Handbook, and Monster Manual, Fifth. Fifth already, okay. I think seven years ago. The edition was just completely new. It just went out and he bought the books in English. And he said, hey, why not trying to play that game? I don't know how it works. Let's just try it all together. And so we joined <laughs> We joined at his house. We were like six, I guess. And we tried to make something out of the rules, but we did not really understand what was written because we had no experience in RPGs. But um, in the end, after a few... A few hours of trying, we kind of made sense out of it, created our uh, characters, and then it was too late to play. So <laughs> we gathered uh, a few days l- later and we started playing, and that was just awesome. So I was not the dungeon master at that time, but in the long run, I became the, um, a few months after, I became the dungeon master because I love to organize things and manage things. And also my friend was not preparing enough <laughs> enough se- game sessions for my thirst of RPGs, so I had to do them myself. <laughs> oh, wow. And I ended up now uh, being the dungeon master for that group and other groups, and then, you know, writing my own rules and books and soon uh, be published because that's how it ended up. <laughs> the book you are having published, they are in French. What are they called and where can people find them? The book has been signed with Les Doux Singes, The Twelve Apes. It's not yet published, but we are working on the text. One book will be called Storms on the Archipelago, Tempête sur l'Archipel in French. 
it's a very special campaign because I made something that is, I think, unique, is that I created a whole language and players have to translate it to know who's the big bad guy. I mean, you don't have to speak the language, but when they keep adventuring and exploring the archipelago, they end up finding some grammar rules and some vocabulary, and they have to do their own research in the different libraries and in some ruins and speak to the gods or important people who have a lot of knowledge. And they end up translating the language if they manage to win over the campaign. And then they end up knowing who's the bad guy and they have to take a lot of decision on how the whole region of that world progress or survives or, or simply is erased by the huge power. You went the GRR Tolkien and MAR Barker route and made a language for your universe. I made several languages. That one is a pretty easy language because it's a mix of, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a German, more, but more complex, a mix of German and Latin. But uh, for the whole universe in itself, I made the other languages which are quite unique and with rules that don't exist in the real world, because, by example, I created a language that is called Tiralorian, which has rules that are not used in the real world, because this language is spoken by the gods, and so they have a higher understanding of the meaning and interpretation. And so I tried to make a language that is very hardly used by any human. And from that language, I will do some philology to create a tree of languages that evolved from that language and that is really spoken by the mortal people. So that's a lot of work to do, but I'm working fast on it and it's moving forward. I was wondering, are you aware of Tecumel, the Empire of the Petal Throne, a role-playing game? No, I don't have much knowledge in the role-playing scene, actually. I'm, um, <laughs> I, I'm a bit a troglodyte. Uh, <laughs> that's <I'm>, fine. <laughs> I thought you might be interested. Is it not such a famous game? I was introduced to it by a French top uh, RPG fan a few years ago, and, and mm -hmm. except that time, I, I very rarely see it mentioned. But it was created by this gentleman called M.A.R. Barker. He was a linguist. He was a professor oh. of Urdu and South Asian. So he did that also. He created the languages for his world. And he went straight role-playing game. It was the 70s. One person might wonder if Tolkien would have liked him a role-playing game. With Barker, we know he did because he created one of the first one ever, which was published oh. by TSR in 75. Just give me the name afterwards in private. I want to, to check that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I send you. I will send you a link. Speaking of language, music is universal. I guess. Do you know if you reached out a lot of English-speaking fans? Uh, is your audience a lot in the US, in the UK, and elsewhere? Oh is yeah, it worldwide. Oh, my audience is like five percent French, and the rest is worldwide. I think forty-five percent is from North America, and I think fifteen percent from Great Britain, 7 or 10% from Germany, and the rest for Brazil and Philippines and so on. So yeah, only a handful of them are uh, French or French-speaking people. Yesterday we discussed a bit about, I don't even remember how we ended up discussing that, but we discussed the merits of a piece of art is what makes it popular. Actually, it's not. Yeah, And I thought it was interesting that what your most popular recording is not your favorite one, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I remember I was so inspired when I speak about that yesterday. I'm that not, was I'm great. Sure. Best interview ever. Today, it's, it's only a tribute. 
<laughs> okay, I hope I will not disappoint people, but what I was saying is that sometimes you just don't have, you don't grasp the real elements that make that something you created becomes uh, famous. And beside that, some, I would say, very well-made piece of art are absolutely ignored by most people. And so I was thinking that I have an eminence called Medieval Village. And it's full of problems, really. I made a poll doubling it. Uh, I hear most of the problems. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sure huh, it's hard to tell. I don't want to be harsh on people, but most people don't listen. They hear. What I mean is they don't actively listen to things. So maybe they do not hear the problems. I'm not saying this to this anyone. I'm just saying that you have to train you here maybe to hear the problems, you know? By example, a painter would see a painting and say, oh, look, this painting is shit. And you look at the painting and think, no, it's great. It looks great. But the painter knows its job, you know, and he knows what he did good and, and bad. And when you're just an outfit, you don't really see the problems. Maybe that's the reason. But anyway, I have that ambience called uh, Medieval Village and it has it is full of problems. And for some reason, it has a ton of views on, on YouTube. And uh, beside that, I have some pieces that are very well made, like the Temple of Blood, by example, or the Blood Temple. I don't remember how I called it. It took me like a whole day to compose. I used voices sent by the community. So the subscribers sent me their voices. I asked them and I used them to create that ambience. And so I really love that ambience because it's made for the community, by the community. And it's very detailed, very unique. But it has just five thousand views after one year you know <laughs> and i'm like guys you could use that it's great for a <laughs> for rpg but it's not much used same goes for so many ambiences in which i, I spent too long too, way too much time <laughs> and beside that you have some ambience that really took just a few maybe one hour of maybe 30 30 minutes and it has 100,000 views but you, you just don't get why and you say no i don't deserve that actually because it should be it should get much less. I guess there's sort of a cold logic to it because a medieval village, you can take 90% of D&D adventures, you will start or end or go through a medieval village. And you do it, not only do you do that, but you do that multiple times. So you, you can play the track again and again while the Temple of Blood. Yeah, it's your big moment at the end. So it's still worth the that's true quality that's of true. the song but you um, it's like the big end you found the cult you defeat them and then you, you you leave it i remember what i told you yesterday it made more sense you're right what i use it is called logic it doesn't make sense but what i told you yesterday and now i remember is that some people made medieval village ambits that are better than mine but they have less views than mine oh i think that's what i told you yesterday and it's still true today <laughs> It didn't end overnight. Yeah, that's the point. And the reason is the algorithm. I think we spoke about the algorithm. Yeah, yesterday. we did, yeah. Is it the knowledge yeah. you get from your day-to-day -day work inside? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but it's more linked to the fact that I spend all my time looking at my numbers on YouTube and trying to make sense of what data I have. And, you know, I spoke about that with some YouTube uh, coaches, people who just know their job very well and know the algorithm. And they told me that sometimes the algorithm just, yeah, we can make sense out of it for some reason. <laughs> I mean, if you're a lot on YouTube, you know what I'm speaking about. Sometimes you get some recommended videos from like seven years ago and the video is 11 seconds long and it's just like a cat that throws up, you know, 
and does this video <laughs> and it has like 50 million views. What the hell? But it's and odd. it gets recommended seven. <laughs> it says something deep about uh, all humanity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. <laughs> it's a modern art. You just don't have to explain it. You, you just have to accept it. If you react to it, it's art. <laughs> I'm going to make another, I love plugging stuff, but when you were telling that people hear rather than they listen, it takes skills and time and equipment, the right condition to properly mm -hmm. listen to something. And uh, there's yeah. a show I really love. And even listening to the show, I need to be available. So I haven't been listening to it super recently. It's called Strong Songs by Kirk Hamilton. He reviews songs and he slides them up in little bits, which he analyzes and he even recreates. And it's, mm -hmm. it's amazing to listen to because then when you listen again to the song, he pointed at stuff that now you notice. So little things <laughs> like my favorite episode is about Thriller, which is very mm -hmm. rich in terms of ambience and uh, background sure. noises and so on. There's so much to it. Even little things, he did one about Let It Go from Frozen. There's just a bath drop at some point in the music, which he pointed out. And each time I listen to Let It Go, because yeah, that's a manly man I am. I listen to Let It Go often <laughs> on my walks. I'm just expecting and waiting for that bath drop at that moment. Uh, it, it's really nice to have shows like that, which highlight all the work mm -hmm which is taking place. And th there's everything. There's jazz, there's classical music. Yes. There's uh, mm -hmm. Hamilton. He covered a lot of very different songs. And uh, it's really, really cool. Hey, interesting. You're right. You have to be trained to hear the details and really understand what you're listening to. But you also need a good hi-fi uh, system or, you know, good speakers just to listen to the details and understand the details. I had some people who told me that there was some white noise on some of my ambiences. You know what white noise is? It's the shh. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, Japan, I'm, an, yeah. I'm an architect and urban designer. And when I was doing planning, people don't know it. But you got white noise devices in a somewhat high-end office building. So you enter the building. Mm -hmm. There are speakers which are there. That you cannot play music with them. You cannot play announcements. I guess you, can, you could rig them, but they, that's not what they're made for. They're just there to have this white noise in the office. So it's more comfortable for a number of different reasons. Mm -hmm. Some people told me that there was some white noise. And actually, it sounds like white noise. If you hear that it's like wind in the leaves <laughs> of the trees or wind in very narrow openings in the walls. It's a lot of details, but if you don't listen to details on, on yours, it sounds like garbage. <laughs> if you check some of my actual play, like the one I posted about uh, Nephilim, I spend mm -hmm. a lot of time overlaying different noises when... Uh, it's more than noises. I've got a character who falls into the water, and uh, you mm -hmm. can hear them popping in and out of the water when they are submerged or when they manage to be uh, at the surface. Oh, wow. So... <laughs> And I keep wondering, okay, am I doing this right? Am I doing the, this too much? So on. So feel free to check some actual play and let me know what you think of it. Sure. That. Sure. Tell me, you will, you will send me a link and, uh, I and, I can, and I can give you... Um... Oh, by the way, if you want some sounds for your actual play, feel free to use my work because it's free for actual plays, YouTubers, streamers. It's free and you won't get... Um, a like. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, not for me because... I remember what it was when I was a, a small creator on YouTube. 
I never had to create some big videos, you know, like montage and stuff like that. But I know what it is to be a small YouTuber with a very low um, income or nothing at all. I know how expensive it is to have some good sound. So any creator can use my work for YouTube and Twitch for free and podcast as well. Not video games, but for these three, yeah, you can feel free. Just credit me. Cool. Right at the end of this interview, I will find something uh, on your website to put at the back uh, of our little discussion. We're already running off well beyond the allocated time, but uh, I don't resist bringing up something else you mentioned yesterday. You collaborated with someone who designed uh, maps for dungeons? Oh, yes, you're right. So I have a, a patron beside that that allows me to buy new sound libraries because all the sounds I have, and I have to mention that, is that all the sounds I have except for the ones I record myself, are from AAA libraries, like the one you hear in Hollywood films, AAA games, and so on. So it's a top-level quality, and and that costs quite a lot. But I think it's much worth it because the community loves having these sounds in exchange. And so some of them support me on Patreon, about 200, but it's growing very fast. And in exchange, they have some exclusive ambiences and also some collaboration I make with uh, famous cartographers, such as Two Minutes Tabletop or uh, Sepeku or The Mad Cartographer and many others, even writers, monster designers, item designers. And you can get some of them for free on my Patreon if you want. By example, I made recently an ambience of, that was a trading post, it's called. It's a Western ambience. It took me like two days to compose. It was just, <laughs> it was such a mess to compose. So many different sounds, it's very rich. But you can download it for free along with scenario for Dungeons and Dragons in the Western universe with several maps, several items, and everything is, has been just put in place professionally, I would say. 3D sounds and looks beautiful. You can download the whole PDF for free and several other things if you want. I collaborate a lot with other creators. I'm going to exchange a lot of links after this. Uh, send me a oh, private yeah. message. The links, and I will include everything in the description of the episode so people can find them easily. Speaking of finding people, I think we'll close here. Where can people find you? Oh, you can find me on YouTube. And on YouTube, we'll find all the different links. I recommend to go check my Bandcamp if you want to download the sounds and support me in my work. You will get the best quality and it's compatible with Roll20 and other websites and other BTT uh, programs. Beside that, what my last word is to just try to motivate people to try to use ambiences over music or maybe both together. Like in video games, it works really well. I know some people who don't want to use sound because they think it's too complex to use. I get your point before uh, composing ambiences. Uh, that's what I thought as well. I thought it would take too much time. And it really took too much time because on YouTube, there was nothing at that point. Really only garbage ambiences ripped from video games and so on. But now the solutions are here. Please, if you never try using sounds, try. And I promise it will improve the immersion of your game by a lot. And I sincerely hope uh, my work will help you to have a better time, have more fun, and feel more immersed in your RPG games.
Alright, we are back at Cybercom, and I'm joined by... Hi! <laughs> I'm Gail Sacre, Willox. I'm one of the people who are <laughs> making this uh, crazy stuff with Cybercom. Hi, I'm Kinera. I'm a French girl playing some role-playing games, and uh, I've been joining uh, Gail into this crazy, crazy idea to make uh, Cybercom <laughs> in Internet. Did you join the crazy idea as part of the first edition, or is 2.0 your first one? Yeah, the second edition, because the first one I was kind of really tired. So Relax came to me and said, hey, I want someone for the communication. Can you help me? <laughs> you were for the first one here, Gail. Yeah, I actually created the Discord server. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, so, so you need I to tell the story it. of that, <laughs> because I, I've heard that the Discord came very early, and it was, oh, let's just create a Discord and see what happened. Well, tell us all about that. I think in France we had this, I think we say lockout. Lockdown, like yeah. Lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. Lockout, you would be stranded outside your home, so everybody, it's kind of <laughs> everybody would be in the street. <laughs> I don't know what's best, but okay, a lockdown, and we were very sad about all the, the conventions that were cancelled all around France, and we said, okay, we have to do something. And so on Twitter and on Discord, we were discussing about that, and someone said, hey, it would be great to do a virtual convention, something uh, online. And then I said, okay, let's create a Discord server. Let's talk about it. And I didn't want to organize this or anything. I just wanted to launch the thing. <laughs> and then it went, yeah, <laughs> it was not expected. The first one happened within three weeks. Is that right? Yes, three weeks to do everything, invite people, organize all the animations and everything. It's crazy. <laughs> Kinela, you didn't participate the first one at all then. No, no at all, because I had some, uh, <laughs> I had this flu named COVID, so oh, with my okay. husband, so uh, I didn't have the choice to be there, because first things, I was really tired, but I heard a lot about social media. I think Willox did a great job about social media, communication and all, <laughs> and they, they were like, I think, 1,700 participants. So it was really big, big convention for virtual events like that. We've been discussing that on the Radio Libre, which is part of the 24 hours mm -hmm. uninterrupted for three days Twitch stream, uh, which CyberConf is doing, which I find is it's one of very amazing things. And I don't know any other online convention doing that. But uh, where was I going with that? Uh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> Why are we doing this? <laughs> that could be a great question. Yeah, <laughs> We're doing 24-hour... <laughs> Why are you doing that, 24 hours? Yeah. Why is this madness? The thing is, there were a lot of streamers in our team at the beginning when we started this, and they were very motivated to do something great on Twitch and on YouTube. And so we say, okay, let's do this. And then we had some other people in Quebec who wanted to participate to do something and then we say, okay, so we could stream all day and night because we have people who could do that at night. <laughs> Quite simply. Actually, I just remembered... Uh, did I forget it again? <laughs> uh, no! It's <laughs> happening to me. <laughs> it's Sunday. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've been that's, that's crazy. from your ideas. <laughs> yeah, okay, I got it now. So, yeah, I was wondering, 
there's a big difference between 2.0 and the first one. The first one you organize within one week with zero experience. And this one you're organizing, I think, a couple months ahead of time. I was wondering if it was a blessing or a curse to have more time. Because I imagine this sort of pros and cons. (laughs) Boss. It's been four months since the beginning. I arrived in September for the organization, and there were a lot, a lot of questions, a lot of misunderstanding between some uh, teams. We had to organize better with more animation from the first edition. But now I think it's really, really great. But uh, the last three weeks was really exciting and really scary because there were more animation, more projects and all. Like uh, accessibility, too, on the Discord. Yes, we wanted that more people could access the convention. So we worked along with the team of accessibility to be able to have more people who are blind or people like that that would come to uh, usually access this kind of conventions. And it's been a lot of work and it was the first time for a lot of people. So, And I think we still have a lot of improvement to make for next editions, but we tried. Did you manage in the end? Because the plan was to have a bot which would transcribe things for individuals with hearing impairments. Also, things the other way around, make it so that text could be read out loud for people with sight impairments. Mm-hmm. Did you manage to pull that off in the end? Yeah, we, we have two bots, uh, three. One for communication programmation on Discord. Like, you have to say to the bot, I want this at this hour. And we have two other bots because it was really, really uh, difficult to have a bot for the activities on the Discord and one for the role-playing games. So you have two bots and one is linked to Google and is uh, really, really close to the transcription you can make from the audio voice, from the vocal. And the other one is less close, but not too much. Both worked, but we had some bugs at the first time. I know it, it, it's good, but it takes some time, it takes some place, and uh, we are seeking about two of them on a web server for the next edition. Well, you certainly did something right with communication, because one thing we did not mention on this series of interviews now is the cyber bundle. So we have a bundle of games and uh, all of the money raised, I think it's uh, 15 euros minimum, goes to charity associations and it's going perfectly well because I see on the live we have raised 17,500 euros by now and it's not finished so it's incredible. (laughs) Yeah, the first time around it was 3,000 euros I think you raised so you're on your way to do many times more than uh, you did the first time. Yeah. (laughs) There's uh, something like more than 135 games And there's a lot of diversity in the games, more independent games, more mainstream games. There's a lot of things, and I think it's also part of the success of this bundle. You even have a few English language games in there. Nibiru from Federico Sun, who's a good friend of the released. Lovecraft-esque. There's a lot, really. There's a half a dozen or something like that. Yeah, and it's thanks to you, actually, (laughs) because you talked about it on the social networks. Thank you. It's my pleasure, and it's an opportunity to say a big thank you to the publishers who participated. That's really heartwarming that they agreed to do so. There were a few more who were keen on doing so, but 
I informed them a bit too late of what was going on, but uh, I'm sure for 3.0, we could have even more, so that would be great. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what else about CyberConvid? Is there something else important you want to bring up? This year, we had something new also. It was a LARP. We had some virtual LARP, which is quite unexpected too. And it went well, I think. There were a lot of players who participated in the LARP. And I hope that we could do that again for a next edition. I really need to try an online LARP. I've never done such thing. And I'm not entirely sure how it works. Kinella, there were also some panels, tableaux, which were organized. And actually, I'm going to host one later today. I believe you hosted one. What was it about and how did it go? It was about how to construct the travel with the mechanics, the rhythm. So we spoke about a lot of role-playing games that have a part of travel explanation to how make the people travel. And it was with a great pleasure that I had to tour this one, but I was not debating, but uh, animating it. It was really difficult. The first uh, thing for me, but a really good experience. It's tough not to intervene, you know, contribute with your own ideas when you are on a panel mm. like that. It depends. I didn't have something to say on this subject. I, I've been on some conferences, table uh, ronde, as uh, we say in France, but it was more about usage and practices of a role-playing game in France. It was in, um, how do you say, academic uh, colloquial. Seminars. Seminar, perhaps kind of professional seminar, but more for academics people with some articles and writings. We have this debate, very, very passionate. It, it was really good, but really different from animating a debate and a tableau round. As you know, too, because you had some tableau round animated from you, and you have one today. I had one last year, which was about a classic topic, <laughs> which is yeah. how to make a podcast or a stream of the, about the world of role-playing games. It was a, a bit much, huh? because I had four people, two people for actual play, two people for discussion shows. So the, the things are, are not necessarily... They are not contradictory, but if it was to be done again, I would probably make the panel just about actual play or just about discussion shows because they answer somewhat different questions. But uh, today it's mm. going to be about time travel. So that's an oh, inspiring yeah. topic. <laughs> I didn't it pick is. it. It was Julien Poire, Sandrone from Vodaltaride, who did it. Who, by the way, did a panel in French as part of Metatopia recently. So I think that was the first. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I think we reach our 10-minute marks, which I keep crossing over, so I think I'm going to have two episodes instead of one, meaning that I will spend a lot of time editing them. <laughs> what, what is <laughs> your final <laughs> thing to say, uh, your goodbye, and where can you be found uh, if you wish to be found? Just uh, keep considering doing some role-playing games. It's good on Discord. I can be found on a French website for those who can read some French, name Des Mille et Des Cent. I don't know how to say in English that. D1000 and D100, and I will put links in the description of yeah. the episode. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite difficult. Have a good day. And, and <laughs> That's my can final word. I recommend people, <laughs> since it's text-based, Google Translate works quite well on Chrome, so you can read even a French website using it, and you read it in English. Yeah. And for girl, thank you to listen to us. And we hope to see a lot of virtual conventions all around the globe, even in English. And 
as we talked, we tried to go over some accessibility things. So I hope that it will inspire other conventions to do the same. And very important for us to be inclusive and to be uh, accessible for everyone. Let's, yes, try to talk to people who knows about this stuff and uh, let them help you to get the best to make your convention uh, accessible and, and inclusive. As for me, you can find me on Itch.io. I think it would be the best for English speaking people. You can find me on Willox, W-I-L-L-O-X, on Itch.io. And I just released one game. It's in French for now, but I also have Happy Together, which is a game I released in English and oh. is quite unknown for the English people. It's not on my Itch.io, but you can find it. And there's a web page in English on my website. Maybe you would put the link in the description, you said. Yeah, I will definitely. And now it's going to become so famous in England and in the US, thanks to this episode of The Rollist. We've got such a massive <laughs> <hope> so. audience. <laughs> and they all go to all the links I give them. Yeah, if you want to talk about Happy Together and one day, just ask me and I will come try to, <laughs> with my poor English, but I could try to talk about it because I would love this game to be known by English people because I just translated it and then I didn't know how to promote it and I think it's a shame. Definitely. I mean, we had uh, Guillaume Gentil and Eric Nudon who already joined us for a one-hour stream. So definitely you're welcome to join in February because cool. all my slots are taken. <laughs> <laughs> no problem in February it would be okay but I will say uh, this about CyberConf and, and to you and uh, to all the organizers of CyberConf I've been this year since the first CyberConf to a lot of online conventions in English and I must say they don't come nowhere near as good as CyberConf you really set for me a, a gold wow. standard uh, <laughs> I'm considering how I could make it so to support exchanges of expertise from CyberConf to other conventions because they don't have a 24-hour stream. Their Discord is not as well organized. There's not that many activities. The work even, you might consider that a detail, but it makes everything look so much better. All the overlays, the technical side, all of that is so well-managed. Videos are, are beautiful. So you're doing truly an amazing work and uh, definitely English-speaking convention should take a note of all of that, including trying to be more accessible. It would be uh, all the better for everyone. Oh, cool. <laughs> Thank you, Anvia, for all the <laughs> the people who organized the CyberCon. I think I will uh, tell them Thanks because I think... Uh, yeah, yeah, because we worked a lot and sometimes we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and yeah, it's great I, to know that uh, it makes had, a difference. I actually had a, an exchange with someone, I won't name them, because they were very stressed out about the work they were doing and it was not as good as they were hoping it would be. Mm. I sent them videos from other conventions and say, look, that's quotation mark, <laughs> the competition. And what they saw was qualified with the words Club Dorothée. <laughs> and actually it's quite true I didn't make the connection but it does look like the, the visual of Club Dorothée so, so, so there you go thank you so much to the two of you and uh, well, uh, have thank a great you. cyberconf thank you this episode included Sinking Ship Vanished Crew by Plastic Flowers and of course Solta or Frango or Team Song by Bondé de you can find both of these on the freemusicarchive.org. 
This episode also included Epic Pirate Music at a band Corsairs by Michael Gelfi. Thanks very much, Michael, for allowing me to use it. And you can find it on Michael's YouTube channel and on his Bandcamp page, which are both linked in the description of this episode. The logo of the Royce Podcast is designed by Ronin Kearns, and you can find it on apparel, stickers, notebooks, laptop sleeves, and even face masks on our T Public store, as well as more art by Ronin Kearns, inspired by episodes of the Rollist, and a few stuff I created myself. So it's locked down again, hence it was difficult to find people to record in person, but yeah, every challenge is an opportunity, and it happened that CyberConf was happening at a little booth there, a virtual booth, and I thought I could interview people there, and if I interview a few people there, then I got enough stuff for an episode. And here we are, so we should have a two parts, maybe three parts, as I'm trying to re-record some interviews which were lost to time due to a technical failing on my part, but there you go. I had an amazing fun at CyberConf, and on the other hand, I'm a bit frustrated, I'm not able to share more of it with the many, many listeners among you who sadly don't speak French. But uh, I recommend you check still the YouTube channel because, you know, the automated captions on YouTube, it's not that bad. It's okay. It's okay. So you could watch some of the excellent panels which took place there, like the panel I did about traveling through time. There are also panels about poesy in tabletop role-playing games, which I heard was excellent. And many other topics related to travel, epistolarian, tabletop role-playing games, true males, really a lot of good stuff which should be released. Everything is not released yet, but they're going to be released on the CyberConf YouTube channel in the coming months. Uh, besides that, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to say else. I like to keep those sections short, but I, I like to give you a little bit uh, of news and stuff. Uh, yeah, I recommend to subscribe to the newsletter because you, this way you'll be informed about my progress with my game, Paris Gondo, The Life-Saving Magic of Inventory. Of course, I've been running a lot of online sessions, but I'm quite far with the writing of the game, or at least the first version of the game, so I'm very excited about that. I cannot wait to start sharing it. I'm looking for people to run the game without my intervention, just based on the text to see how well it comes through. So if you're interested into that, please feel free to contact me. And in the meantime, I'm still unemployed, so I'm trying to squirrel away to put aside some savings to be able to pay for an editor, a graphic designer, the art. And that's why if you follow me on Twitter, I've been even more active than usual in sharing links with my affiliate code on drive-thru which in the description of the episode i put a link but if you follow this link to drive-thru and then purchase stuff i will get a little thing that's why also i've been trying to sell a bit more stuff on our public store i haven't been very successful with that since i launched it but there you go and i'm extremely thankful for the couple of people who did purchase stuff recently as we are approaching christmas not only I'm very thankful for your purchase, but I'm also very excited by the idea of you wearing those t-shirts because I think they're quite cool and it makes me proud, the idea that you might be playing or go about your day-to-day life wearing one of these. Beyond that, I recorded two film studies, one about Black Cats, White Cats, 
one about the Chinese feast, so I need to both edit them, and I need to edit um, yeah all, all the stuff. I need to put a panel we recorded in Metatopia. I need to put it on our regular feed also. So actually, my Twitch that's also another place where I'm trying to to get a little bit of income. Again, uh, I don't think any of that will allow me to stop working or make a living out of, but that must be just enough money that I need to get Paris Gondo on the rails. So now, on top of Café Rollist, which I'm streaming when I'm recording them live, I am also quite often lately streaming in the evening, myself editing the show. If you want a sneak peek to future episodes that might interest you, feel free to send me feedback. Some people have been tuning in, so I guess it's not as boring as I feared. Maybe I will play some games in the future when I have some time. Maybe some Heroes of Might and Magic or Maze of Galios. Old school stuff. I don't know. I need to give it a try and my broadband is not amazing. But yeah, I might try doing that in the future. And uh, yeah, that's it. So next month should be the second part of our CyberCon series. If you do enjoy them, please do leave a five-star rating or a review on iTunes. And I will read it out on the show in this segment. By the way, if you did post something and for some reason I did not read it out yet, feel free to let me know and I will correct that as soon as possible. The latest one I got was actually in French. It was a month ago by Crypt Digger, who is a big fan of Best Left Buried. Crypt Digger has been hardworking promoting this game from Nottingham to the French audience. So the review is in French, but I will read it regardless. For all our French listeners, Calum partage sa passion pour le jeu de rôle avec une forte influence sur le RPG made in UK. Dans un anglais facilement accessible, les rencontres, les interviews, des reviews vous font découvrir des thèmes larges et variés gravitant autour de la culture rôliste et c'est toujours pertinent et enrichissant. A big thank you, Cryptdigger, for that. So thankful. By the way, it was posted on Pochetta, so that allowed me to leave a like to the review itself and even comment back. So that's a nice little thing you can do on Pochetta. Another one I got before, and I don't think I read it yet, despite it being from back in June. Matt Boothman said, This is a podcast of record for the London tabletop RPG design and social scene. Vive les rollistes. Thanks, Matt. And again, it was on Podchaser, which is much easier to leave reviews than iTunes. It's not as good for the podcast because iTunes is the place where you got the most listeners, but it makes me so happy to read those reviews from you. So thank you dearly from the bottom of my heart. So yeah, I'm going to leave you here. See you next month for our second part about CyberConf. In the meantime, please stay safe. I cancelled all my travel plans because uh, I, it's just not safe. So I will not be visiting the family this holiday. I leave, of course, to you all to make your own decisions regarding what's the best, considering your circumstances. But please, please, please stay safe. Look after yourself and the people around you. That applies, of course, for COVID. Be careful about that. But also your, your well-being in general, if you, you're feeling unwell i have the blues i guess that's the saying feel free to reach out to people in the community i found myself a lot of support there 
in this season, things can be tough and you should not hesitate to reach out to the community. Usually it's very welcoming and, and feel free to send me even a message and tell me if, if anything is weighing very heavily on your heart. We can have a little chat and uh, usually if it makes things a tiny bit better. At least it did for me. So take care. Merry seasonal wishes. Merry Hanukkah, which I think ended today. Merry Christmas. See you in 2021, actually. Happy New Year. Bye. Nós é tipo bem Jesus, todo mundo a gente ama Ainda mais se for gatinha, rola até levar pra cama A gente topa tudo, sapatão e bigodudo Na hora do piriri, cai em mim outra vesti Vai batuque! Rolê! 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 Solta o frango e vem com a gente Rolê! Rolê! It's pretty. Yeah, I like it. Just been fooling about with it for a few months now. Very delicate. So it's a bit of a departure from the kind of thing you normally play. Yeah, well, it's part of a uh, a trilogy, really, a musical trilogy that I'm doing in D minor, which I always find is really the saddest of all keys, really. I don't know why, but it makes people weep instantly to play a... It's a horn part. It's very pretty. You know, just simple lines intertwining. You know, very much like I'm really influenced by Mozart and Bach, and it's sort of in between those. It's really, it's like a Mach piece, really. It's, what do you call this? Well, this piece is called uh, Lick My Love Pump.